Today's show is brought to you by Squarespace. Start building your website today at squarespace.com. Enter offer code QUIET at checkout to get 10% off. Squarespace, build it beautiful. I'm Susan Kane, and this is Quiet, the Power of Introverts. So imagine you're a quiet teenager, someone who doesn't need or particularly want to hang out in big, unruly groups. And then imagine that this is your mother. The bottom line is that unless we fix Prop Ariana, 13, we are not going you to can be able to handle... So, hold on a second. You know, me, you know, you're, you're getting you a really bad habit, but you, you, you know what? I'm forever. not easily intimidated. I'm going no, no, to finish, to and then you. you're going to speak. To so you. let you me just continue and see who can speak louder in a foreign accent, right? Well, all right. Ariana Huffington, entrepreneur, politician, one of the most high-profile women in America, is also the mom of 21-year-old Isabella, a self-described introvert. How these two seemingly opposite people navigated Isabella's childhood amidst her mom's very public life is one of our stories today. But there's a twist to this story, something that will probably surprise you about Ariana Huffington. I'm actually an introvert who taught herself to be an extrovert because of the things I wanted to do in my life. Today we're examining what psychologists call parent-child fit. This is the dilemma of what happens when a quiet child and her parents have different personalities or expectations. Like many relationships, life with your son or daughter is a partnership. And it can take a little work to make sure that you and your child are compatible partners. On this episode of the podcast, we'll explore how to navigate the sometimes rough waters of parent-child fit. We'll get back to Ariana and Isabella a little later. But first, here's the story that introduced me to the concept of parent-child fit in the first place. When I was researching my book, Quiet, I interviewed a child psychologist named Dr. Jerry Miller at the University of Michigan. Dr. Miller told me about a case of a child he had treated, a seven-year-old we'll call Ethan. Ethan's parents brought him in for treatment because his younger brother had beaten him up and Ethan didn't fight back. His parents were okay with their younger son's aggression. What bothered them was Ethan's passivity. Dr. Miller tried to explain to the parents that there was nothing wrong with their son, that this was just his temperament. But his parents had trouble accepting it. Over the years, they continued pushing Ethan to be more aggressive in areas like sports and academics. Ethan, of course, didn't change and his parents kept wringing their hands with concern over their son. What was so heartbreaking about this story was Dr. Miller's observation that in another household, this very same boy, who was so low-key and studious and gentle, would have been considered a model child. The issue was only in the parents' expectations, and it's the parents' responsibility to notice when those expectations aren't sinking with who their child actually is. Sometimes the fit is a natural one, uh, and that's great, but it's not always a natural fit. That's Kareem Golub, Assistant Clinical Professor of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Columbia University. When the fit is not natural, it, it really becomes the task of the child and the parent to try to adapt to one another's temperament so they can develop together. I, I think my advice to that extroverted parent would be, to experiment with being a little bit quieter if uh, if they give an introverted child a little bit more time and a little bit more space, um, more of that child's personality would come out uh, to fill that space. 
And it's possible that the interactions um, would be that much more fulfilling for both the parent and the child. That's what happened with my next guests, whom I wrote about in my book, Quiet. I first met Callie Yost and her daughters, whom we'll call Olivia and Sophie, in New Jersey, when Olivia was going into second grade. I was really intrigued by their story because Callie Yost is, as you will soon hear, one of the more extroverted human beings on this planet. And she had two introverted girls. At first, Callie struggled with how to be the best parent that she could be to them. But her parenting style really evolved over time as she got to understand her girls. Now those girls are teenagers, and I caught up with Callie to talk about parenting those quiet children. Well, I should probably start out by saying that um, my parents were much more introverted than I was. So there was a lot of... um, not not intentional shaming that happened when I was younger around my natural way of being like, oh, can you just stop talking about that? I just can't talk about it anymore. And um, so I was very aware as a parent that I didn't want to do that to my kids, but I hadn't yet become aware of the differences between the two of us. Callie began noticing differences between her and her daughters when she was a parent playground volunteer one day at Olivia's school. This one moment really hit home for me. I had done playground duty one day, and they put me pretty far away from the actual playground where everybody was up running around. And my daughter, Olivia, was standing with me by the basketball hoop, shooting hoops by herself. And about five minutes into this, I said, honey, I'm good. You know, you don't have to stay here with mommy. I'm fine by myself here. You go play. And she just kept shooting the hoops. And I said, no, really, I'm good. Like you, Because truthfully, for me not to be up playing with all the kids, something had to be radically, radically wrong. Like I would never have been by myself. Olivia also remembers that day on the playground. Everyone else was playing on the playground and running around and being crazy and Not that I didn't want to do that. I just, for some reason, I felt more comfortable just throwing basketballs in the hoop by myself. So I kept saying to her, is something wrong? Are you okay? And she said, Mom, is this weird? You're making me feel weird. I do this all the time. I think she was a little shocked because as an extrovert, she would be the one playing on the playground, running around. And I think the fact that I was by myself kind of threw her off. But I just needed that time to recharge and rejuvenate in order for me to go back to class and not want to go home and go to sleep. And I thought, oh my gosh, like I am shaming her and that is not what I want. It was around this time that I got to know Callie. We started talking about her daughters and how an extroverted parent can better understand introverted kids. And I started becoming more aware, what does a more introverted child need to feel good and whole about themselves um, and what, how, does, how do I need to address myself as an extroverted parent to not make assumptions? As I recall, you had some worries about what it meant for your daughter that she wasn't in the social mix in the way that you were when you were younger. So what did you do with those worries? I tried to clue in to her level of happiness. So I would take a, a pulse check with her. Are you okay that you haven't done anything with your friends for the last two days? Is that what you want to do? And she'd say, yeah, I'm good. I'm like, all right, as long as you're fine with it. Now, inside my own heart, I would just, (laughs) that sounds so lonely and awful. And right, I mean, that was my own head. I actually think my dad really helped her understand what I was going through because my dad's very introverted himself. I think my dad was probably like, she's fine. This is normal. This is how I was as a kid. And, you know, it got better as time went on. 
I know this dynamic well from my own life. I am an introvert married to an extrovert named Ken, and it is very natural for Ken to be the one who first thing in the morning says, okay, what are we going to do today? And then he'll think of five different activities and say, let's go. Whereas my natural inclination is much more quiet. I want to sit on the sofa with the kids and talk about what happened with their week. These are two completely different approaches to Saturday morning. One isn't better or worse. They're just different. And I think that the kids benefit from being exposed to both of them and seeing themselves reflected in both of these styles. But back to Callie and her girls. Olivia had been dealing with some social issues at school. She was hanging around with two friends who didn't get along, and she was spending a lot of time worrying about how to manage the situation. Well, I realized that, um, and my other daughter, Sophie, um, she does the same thing. There's an extra layer of thought that goes into the dynamics within the group and then with her that I don't think about. And my first reaction when this started coming up was to be like, oh, who cares? You know what? Just enjoy it and have fun and do that. And I... And I realized that she then would keep talking about it and spend a lot of time on it. And I, that's one of those moments where I had to sit down and say, okay, clearly this is something <laughs> that I do not do, <laughs> that she does, that I need to spend a little time to understand. And so it really, she needed to think it through before she went into that social situation. Yes. That's yes. the thing. She just had to have the plan and then she could go into it. She wasn't able to really kind of on the fly make those social pivots. And did you help her with the strategizing of what the plan was going to be? Or did she come to the plan on her own and you were the sounding board? I think probably my initial reaction was to start to tell her what to do. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, okay, that's not really going to get her to the point where she starts to learn how to do it. And over the years, she's gotten a lot better where now it's I think it's second nature with her. I mean, I still have those times where I'm focusing on what are they going to think? What are they going to say? What are they going to do? But then there's a lot I'm probably like 75% of the time, I'm just like, whatever, I'm being myself, doing, you know, what I think is best for me. And I think that the ideas that she instilled in me when I was younger, um, really helped me. Olivia has developed into more of an ambivert, which is something like the social equivalent of being ambidextrous. It means a person has the qualities of both an introvert and an extrovert. But Olivia's younger sister, Sophie, does not use the prefix ambi to describe herself. Definitely an introvert. Okay. Why do you describe yourself that way? Well, I have that circle of friends that I can hang out with, and but I've always needed that little bit of extra time to recharge, and I don't mind being alone on a Friday or Saturday night, just hanging out by myself or like with my smaller group of friends that I like love to hang out with. Sophie was in junior school, and um, there are two things she wanted. Actually, she wanted to be student of the month and peer leader. And in the in the school, that process tended to favor the extroverted kids. And even though she was doing all of the things that she was supposed to do in order to get these two distinctions, it she just was not the natural person that they were looking at. My introverted tendencies slowed me down from being that person that's going out there to everyone all the time because of my fear of rejection. But I decided to throw that to the wind, my fear of rejection, and just go for it. So um, she figured out that she needed to insert herself more deliberately. So teachers saw her and the, the teachers that made the decisions around the peer leaders and around the student of the month, and she got both. Some of you will remember the last episode of our podcast where we talked about the long runway. One of our takeaways was that part of parenting is gently nudging your child towards uncomfortable situations. Watching her girls grow up, Callie concluded that parents sometimes need to stretch too. As a parent, um, 
I just feel like that's my job is to just help them figure out what works for them. Um, and I learn from them along the way. They have taught me. Mm-hmm. And that's the other side of the magic is learning from them. Are you girls aware of being your mom's teacher? Yeah, yeah definitely. definitely. She says that we teach her something new every day. And she's definitely become a lot more aware of how we have different personalities than her. And she's definitely adapted. That was so wonderful. Well, thank you, Callie, so much. Thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much, Sophie and Olivia. Thank you. So if you're a natural extrovert parenting an introvert, we've seen that making the fit work involves both teaching your kids and learning from them. What if the situation is a little more nuanced and the parent and child's personalities do fit in some ways, but not in others? In a minute, we'll hear how introvert Isabella Huffington coped with being in the spotlight with her famous mom, Ariana. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Can you think of a leading business or brand who doesn't have a website? It seems that everyone has an online presence these days. So it's a great time for you to take your business to the next level with a professional-looking website from Squarespace. Squarespace gives you all the tools you need to build a beautiful, user-friendly website, regardless of skill level. Their intuitive design makes building a website easy. No coding required. Better yet, you get a free domain if you sign up for a year. Start your free trial site today at squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code QUIET to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. And now we're back. You're listening to Quiet, the power of introverts. I'm Susan Kane. Today, we're talking about how understanding your own temperament can improve your relationship with your quiet child. Few of us would seem to share much in common with Ariana Huffington, the indomitable founder of the Huffington Post, amongst so many other ventures. Even her own daughter, 21-year-old Isabella, seems very different from her mom. Isabella is a strong introvert. And when I asked her where she would most like to conduct our interview, she chose her mom's apartment. It's like an oasis in the middle of New York. Sometimes you just need to retreat, and it's so quiet and calm. I just assumed, as many people would, that Ariana and Isabella were the quintessential extroverted mom, introverted child pair. So imagine my surprise when Ariana like many other apparent extroverts, told me this. I'm actually an introvert who taught herself to be an extrovert because of the things I wanted to do in my life. Really? Yes. I mean, um, going back to my childhood, uh, my mother would tell the story of me uh, for my fifth birthday party, um, telling her to send all the children away because they were interrupting my reading. (laughs) As gradually, there were things I wanted to do um, in my life that necessitated being an extrovert, like mm-hmm. public speaking. <laughs> I taught myself to be an extrovert, but I uh, realized more and more that if I don't uh, honor the introvert part mm-hmm. by having enough time by myself, enough time um, to meditate mm-hmm. or to read or simply to be alone at home, then um, I pay a price in terms of stress, even in terms of my health, everything. But another clue was the fact that I, I felt, I think, practically every emotion in my life, except two, loneliness and boredom. Because I'm perfectly happy uh, being alone, as long as there are books and thoughts. Mm-hmm. And um, 
when it was very clear that Isabella is a classic introvert, uh, I completely honored that. But I wanted to make sure um, that she was comfortable with people and being able to express herself. And so that was really my focus with her. Ariana is a tremendously successful woman. So that means attending a lot of dinner parties. And sometimes her kids get dragged along. For any introverted child, this could be a stressful thing. So I asked Isabella if, given her mother's career, she was pulled into moments that might not be so comfortable for her. Now I'm so grateful I did, because I think I would have been a recluse if it wasn't for my mom, (laughs) who really pushed me. But I think Mm -hmm. when I was 13 or 14, I would just get really frustrated, like, am I not okay the way I am? Why do I have to go to this? Mm -hmm. And I'd go to Mm -hmm. these sit-down dinners, and it'd be fascinating people, and I wouldn't say a word. And I think God, my mom would be sitting there next to me to facilitate the conversation. But I remember one time you were at the other end of the table and it was like the most miserable experience <laughs> of my 13-year-old life because I didn't say one word for the entire dinner. And it was up until like four months ago that I had, that, that's what I thought the sit-down dinners were. So if there was going to be a sit-down dinner, I was going to leave. And then we finally went to one and I was like, this is okay. Oh, so you always thought a sit-down dinner is equals, equals miserable experience where I won't say a word. I'm 13 yeah. and everyone's a grown-up. I think with a lot of introverts, we have these moments in our childhood and we don't update the image of ourselves. And so we keep being afraid of these things that are no longer scary. But I think if it hadn't been for her, I would have continued to avoid them because I wouldn't have made that first leap. And then I think I would have missed out on a huge aspect of life. I'm a mom too, and I know it can be hard sometimes to make these decisions of whether you push your children to do something that they're uncomfortable with or let them be. Um, so did you ever second-guess yourself when you were saying, Isabella, come to this dinner? What was that for like me, for you? For me, it was more about exposing them to different people and different experiences, and then mm-hmm. they could decide um, what they wanted to do with their lives. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had that rule, for example, that... Um, um, they would go to the opera once, and they both said, we don't want to go to the opera. And I said, well, you've never been to the opera. How do you know? <laughs> and, uh, uh, and we would agree that we would go once, and mm-hmm. then if they didn't like it, they didn't have to go again. Instead of assume they didn't like it because they right. never experienced it. So meeting people and going to a particular dinner that I thought they would like the people or um, an event was part of the same idea. Mm-hmm. And now we have this, this thing that we talk about where you can go to an event and you can leave after five minutes. Yes. You know, you're not stuck there mm-hmm. for the duration. And I think that's been easier for you. Yeah, I did that it? for the first time a month ago. I went for five minutes and I left. Literally five minutes. Literally, I went there. I talked to the person I said I would go to. Then I said, oh, I'm going to get a drink. And then I was like, wait, I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, that's not the most graceful <laughs> way to leave. And I left. I think next time I'll tell them I'm leaving. But I think it's just people knowing that you're there for them. Right, right. And it doesn't mean you have to be there for the entire time. I asked Ariana if she experienced any pain watching Isabella navigate tricky social situations. Obviously, she absolutely did not want to go to something however interesting or useful in terms of her learning and growing, I thought would be. I think I had to honor that. And then we would negotiate mm-hmm. <laughs> about the future rather than forcing a child to do something they absolutely don't want to do. And, and also honoring how different children can be and not expect the same things from one child that come easily to another mm-hmm. child. That's probably harder sometimes as a parent. Now, some parents may see their child not going out and be tempted to project their own feelings onto that. But that child might actually be very comfortable spending Friday night alone. The key is to keep an open mind and to ask questions. 
Yeah, I could tell her I want to stay in this weekend, and uh-huh. it wouldn't be like, well, you won't have friends, you're being antisocial. It was, right. okay, you're recharging. And I think that, that was so incredibly lucky, because it, it taught me to ask myself what I want, not like, what should I do? That was Isabella Huffington and her mother, Ariana Huffington. By now, you can see just how important parent-child fit is. You don't need to have the same temperament as your child to have a strong connection. You just need to be aware of how temperament influences your parenting style and know that with a few small adjustments, you can make your relationship great. And now it's that part of the show where I give you some concrete tips on how to get there. So tip number one, and this one's for both introverted and extroverted parents. Don't just accept your child for who she is. Treasure her for who she is. It's so important for parents to learn to take delight in a child whose behavior might seem mystifying to them. If you're an extrovert especially, you might need to learn to see the inner riches of your child that might not always be expressed on the surface, but they are there. To get at them, just start paying attention to the circumstances where your child tends to open up. Whether it's in a cozy conversation at the kitchen table, or getting ready for bed, or maybe while working on an art project. Tip number two, for introverted parents in particular, do not assume that your children are going to have the same problems that you may have had as a child. Those of us who grew up introverted in this very extroverted culture of ours often had painful experiences of feeling like we were out of step with what was expected of us. But don't assume that your own painful experiences will necessarily be repeated in your children's lives. Instead, do your kids the favor of presuming strength and a happy outcome. Tip number three for all you introverted parents with extroverted kids. I hear so much from parents like you asking, how can you be a better parent to your extrovert who needs so much more stimulation than you might feel comfortable giving? Now, this probably means that you're going to need to step outside your comfort zone to give your child the experiences he needs. And that's okay. Just make sure you're able to recharge in your own way after these encounters. Honor your own preferences, knowing that you will be so much more present for your child if you give yourself the breaks you need without feeling guilty. Look for other adults in your child's life who might be able to fulfill those particular needs that your child has. Maybe this is your child's other parent, maybe it's a friend or a neighbor, but you don't have to do it all by yourself. If you're the parent of a quiet child ages three to nine, I am so excited to tell you about a new online course we've created that I really think can change the way you parent your child. The course is beautiful and it includes all kinds of interactive features like a tool to help you decide when and when not to press your child out of her comfort zone and scripts of how to advocate for your child with people who say he's too shy and the chance to interact online with other parents of quiet kids. To check out the course, just visit learn.quietrev.com. Quiet, the Power of Introverts was produced by Carrie Hillman in partnership with Andy Bowers and Laura Mayer of Panoply. The episode was edited by A.C. Valdez. Our music was composed by Alexis Quadrado. Special thanks to everyone at Quiet Revolution. Next week on Quiet, the Power of Introverts, the great participation debate. We ask whether grading children on classroom participation puts quiet kids at a disadvantage. I am Susan Kane. Thanks for listening.